Welcome back to the Untold Immigration Podcast, the show where we deep dive into the immigration system in the United States. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. Now let's get to it. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Untold Immigration Podcast. As always, you have Don Rosenberg and me, Brian Taylor. Um, We wanted to talk about a couple topics that are in the news uh, this week. And not so we don't want to focus too much on what's being said, but we want to look, we want to take back, take a step back and look at the bigger picture. Um, so with that, let's get to it. Don, how you doing? I'm good. Uh, raring to go as long as the AC holds out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. Um, well, let's just jump into it because um, I, I think there's a lot we want to cover. The first thing I wanted to bring up, since it's a hot topic, Kamala Harris was just nominated as vice president um, or vice president nominee, however you want to say it. And almost immediately, stories started popping up about how she may not be qualified to be vice president because she may not be a citizen. And even President Trump kind of weighed in a little bit and I don't know that he really said anything out of line, but because he raised the question, he was immediately attacked. And to take it a step further, if you start reading different news outlets on the topic, one side is off the charts saying there's absolutely no question that Kamala Harris is a citizen. There's absolutely no question that she is eligible to be um, vice president. It's 100% said, done, closed, locked away, not even a discussion. And then the other side says, well, she's absolutely not qualified to be vice president and they cite 14th amendment. So what we want to do today is kind of dive into that and unpack what the 14th amendment is and what it means, because the answer to this is actually somewhere in the middle. And the short version is I don't know that anybody's right on this because the 14th amendment has been debated probably ever since it was (laughs) enacted. Um, And the the language in the 14th amendment is not clear. And Kamala Harris's parents weren't citizens at the time of her birth. And in fact, to the best I can figure, they were here on student visas. So I know that's a lot to digest. So we're gonna dive into it, but I wanna start by reading the first section of the 14th Amendment. And what it says is, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Now, that's also important for the next topic we're going to get to. But for now, we're talking about birthright citizenship and Kamala Harris. So the issue with the 14th Amendment and the reason there is some debate over this is that second phrase right there where it says, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. No one can give a a definitive answer on what that actually means. And people have been arguing over that phrase for years because had that phrase not been in there and the 14th Amendment simply said, all persons born or naturalized in the United States, then there'd be no issue because then it would clearly state that all persons born on US soil are American citizens, but it doesn't there's a second part to it. So the issue is what exactly does subject to the jurisdiction thereof mean? I would argue that foreign nationals are not subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. Um, And what I mean by that is if you have no allegiance to the United States and you are, let's say a foreign diplomat or maybe an illegal alien, who is not in the United States legally, your allegiance is to a foreign country. 
So the issue is, do foreign diplomats and illegal aliens, are they subject to the jurisdiction thereof? Now, I think the answer is somewhere in the middle because regardless of what your immigration status is, you are still subject to the laws of the United States, which means you can commit a crime and still go to jail, but that doesn't entitle you to, to vote or you know, to, <laughs> to serve an office. So it, it's this weird gray area. And the idea that not everyone born on United States soil is, is not a citizen isn't that new. And one of the things that people forget about is if you are a foreign diplomat, if you are serving your country as a diplomat working for the embassy of your country and you have a child in the United States while you're here on your official duties as a foreign diplomat, that child is not an American citizen because the parents are foreign nationals with an allegiance to another country. Now, if a foreign diplomat serving a legitimate job in the United States can have a child and that child is not a citizen, then why is it an illegal alien ha can have an American citizen child? And to make it more complicated, Kamala Harris's parents, like I said, were students at the time. So a student visa is temporary and with the intention of a foreign national coming into the United States on a temporary basis to get an education with the purpose of returning home to their country when they're finished. So I don't know what the answer is to this one, to be honest, but I think there is merit in each argument. So the, the point that we wanted to talk about was the answer isn't as clear cut and Donald Trump probably shouldn't have dove into that at the moment because <laughs> I think it caused a lot of other problems, <clears throat> but there, there may, I think the issue is up for debate. So with that, now that I've <laughs> rambled on for a long time, Don, am I, am I way off base on that or what are your No, no. I mean, I, I've done a lot of work on this issue going back qu quite a few years because it, it had come up even before Trump was, um, you know, was um, elected. Um, you know, what recently happened is that uh, Dr. John East Eastman, who's a professor of law, very, you know, accredited one, he wrote an article in Newsweek. And he, his article wasn't that Kamala Harris isn't a citizen. It was that the uh, interpretation of the 14th Amendment is wrong. Right. And he went through the reasons why he felt that way. And... I pretty much had already, you know, and, and probably read some stuff that he had written before. So, but, you know, you hit the nail on the head. It's that jurisdiction thereof. And the argument that is given by people that, that feel birthright citizenship is valid is that, that same thing you talk about. You know, they're, they're under our jurisdiction because they, they can go to jail, you know, and if they commit a crime. Well, but you can't draft them. So they're right. you know, and so you can go back and forth. But, but what I discovered when I did some research on this is, you know, interpretation should only be used by the court when what is said by the people who wrote the law is unclear. <laughs> and while the jurisdiction thereof, everybody says that's unclear, it really isn't because if you go back to when the 14th Amendment was written and when it was presented to the Congress, um, one of the senators who wrote it was a guy named Jacob Howard. And he was the guy that, for whatever reason, who knows, but he's the guy who presented it <clears throat> and, asked, and answered questions about it to Congress and, you know, whether they were going to approve it or not. And Today we have the congressional record, but back then um, it was called the Congressional Globe, and it's verbatim conversation, you know, verbatim of what was said. And there was a Q and A that you know they wrote this thing, and in the Q and A, he was asked the question: Are um, are Indians uh, uh, citizens because they're born here? And the answer how he answered it, he said, no, because they're born on a reservation, which is not 
you know, United States property. So they're not citizens. Okay, that, that's fairly simple. And then the same guy said, well, what if they're born in New York? <laughs> they're off the reservation, they're born in New York. And, he, and his answer was no, because even though they may be born in the United States, they're not under the jurisdiction of the United States, they're still under the jurisdiction and they still have their allegiance to the tribe, which is not you know, on US soil. And that carried through until 1924 when um, Congress passed a law allowing Indians to become citizens or Native Americans, but they're written as Indians at the time. So that's, you know, that's one, one part of the equation. The second part, which makes it more confusing, is that there was a, um, a case, Wong Ark versus the United States. Wong Ark was a Chinese family that, that came to the United States. This is back in the late 1800s. Their child was born here. They left the country. And then when they came back, he, I'm not sure if it was he couldn't get in or none of them could get in because they said he wasn't a citizen. And this, this is a Supreme Court case. And the Supreme Court ruled that he was a citizen based on the 14th Amendment. Well, it's not only today where we have five to four decisions because the decision was five to four. And the dissenting opinion quotes the testimony from Senator Howard verbatim as to why this person would not be a citizen. So the Supreme Court had no business whatsoever deciding that case the way they did. They interpreted, that would be like if the Supreme Court said that, you know, the day after Sunday is Friday. Well, you know what, because of the way our system works, then it's Friday. <laughs> but it's obviously wrong. Well, and, now correct me if I'm wrong, though. In the Wong Art case, the parents had at what was some type of, I don't know what it was called at the time, but at, at the time they did have some type of legal status in the United States, correct? They were kind of the equivalent of green card holders at the time, correct? Yeah, they, they yeah, but I, it wasn't that, but yeah, they did. They, they uh, but no different than, you know, Kamala Harris's parents in terms of that they're, they're not, um, uh, you know, they, well, they weren't citizens because these people were the sub, you know, they were the subjects of the emperor of China. Um, but they did have permanent domicile and residence in the United States. And they were carrying on business here. They were not diplomats. Um, but that shouldn't matter. Again, if you go back to the Congressional Globe and you read the testimony, and that's what and that's what people voted on. They voted, okay, we will we will allow the the slaves to become citizens. And that, literally that was it. It wasn't that, you know, anybody knew. Look, right. it's sort of like the, you know, you have the Dred Scott decision. Well, are, is any person three-fifths of a person? Right. <laughs> Obviously, it was a bad decision by the court and, you know, <laughs> eventually led to the Civil War and was over, you know, overturned with the 14th right. Amendment. But just because that's what they said doesn't mean that it was correct. So the problem is, the problem that you have now is that that's been what's that's what's been going on. So Eastman's thing was arguing that it shouldn't be. Right. Trump was asked a question about it, and he didn't say no, she's not. He just said, well, you know, I was reading something where it's you know it said that she wouldn't be. Well, even if it went back to court, and you know, and I and I was trying. When Trump got elected, people there that I knew, I was trying to get them to get that case to the court. Right. You want to, because if you remember, he said, we're going to get rid of birthright citizenship. Right. Well, there's only two ways, or three ways to do it. One is to, you know, uh, change the, you know, change the amendment or go through the amendment process to change it, which is never going to happen. Um, the second is to, get the, you know, the Congress to define under the jurisdiction thereof. Right. Well, that's not going to happen. Right. And he, well, actually, there's really only two. And he thought the third, I'll write an executive order. Well, that's not going to cut it. 
Right. And even if you did, you know, as soon as you're out of office, somebody can, you know, write one to get rid of it. Right. Uh, but but even at that, I don't believe that if that happened, they would go back and say, okay, anybody who was born here or this, uh, you're now no longer a citizen. I'm sure they'd say, you know, starting today, right. <laughs> you know, whatever that is, here's, you know, here's the ruling and this is the way it goes, but we'll grandfather you in. So under what I would call the proper ruling of under the jurisdiction thereof, she would not be a citizen. Right. However, that's not what is being used. Right. <laughs> so, so she's a citizen and shouldn't even go there. I mean, after the fiasco with, with Obama, why would you start that whole process all over again? Well, I think, I think it's important to point out that the, the Wong Ark decision because uh, the reason I wanted to bring that up and the reason I wanted to dive into that is a lot of people automatically say, well, the Supreme Court has already ruled on birthright citizenship. And yes and no. And the reason that's important is the, I guess it would be the Wong family. Craig, I could be wrong about that, but they had some type of permanent legal status in the country. They weren't citizens but they were also allowed to reside in the United States permanently. So I think you're right. I don't think that birthright citizenship should transfer to their children, but the fact is that case still was decided upon and that is now case law. So whether we agree or not, that's case law. But the argument was do children of essentially permanent residents gain birthright citizenship? And the Supreme Court essentially said yes. Right. But my argument has always been that I don't think they've ever ruled on one illegal aliens having children or people that aren't permanent residents having children. Because I I mean, to be totally fair, I'm not totally against someone who's in the country permanently having a U.S. citizen child. I mean, I, in a perfect world, maybe not. But I also don't think that's. I don't know that that's really a, a sword worth falling on, because I don't know that that's that's a major problem. Um, but with Kamala Harris, her parents had temporary status. They were students, you know, so I, I think, <laughs> I think you're right. I think that given current case law and given accepted practice, she's a citizen, but I don't think the jury has completely decided the case. I think there's still room for debate on it. And just like you said, it really would take a constitutional amendment, but <laughs> there's no way in hell in today's political, political climate anyone's going to even even discuss that so that's that's a non-starter um so it, it's probably a dead end with Kamala Harris but I, I, the issue I just wanted to point out was that it, it for anyone out there that thinks one way or the other it's not as cut and dried as you think um and, and I, I, I yeah I agree with you I, I was using the example of um uh what's his name the Korean uh <laughs> Kim Jong-un yeah that you know, he he could speak at the United Nations. Right. Um, so, you know, he would be allowed to come speak at the United Nations. So if he came with his wife, <clears throat> neither of them are diplomats. Right. <clears throat> so they're, they're, you know, they're in their hotel, <laughs> the United Nations hotel, and they decide to go, she's pregnant, they decide to go for a walk, which they're really not allowed to do, but they do. And she's on, you know, uh, 85th and 5th Street yeah. and plops out a kid. Yeah. Is that kid a citizen of the United States? Right. I mean, that would be ludicrous that, right. that that's what it is. But but under the rulings that we're going by, yeah, yeah. She, she'd be a citizen. And when you get to illegal aliens, are you going to say that, well, and even in that case, him, is he under the jurisdiction of the United States? Are the are illegal aliens under the jurisdiction of the United States? We don't even know who they are, where they are. Right. How can they be under our jurisdiction? And when it comes to committing crime, well, a tourist commits a crime, right. we're going to arrest them. But that's not, he was, Howard was very clear, that's not what the jurisdiction right. statement meant. And of course, and this will ruffle a lot of feathers on the, on the you know, the right side, political right side of this, 
the founders didn't put language in the constitution just to make it wordier. Right. <laughs> and there's a reason because if they just felt that anybody other than if you were a uh, diplomat, you know, would be a citizen, well, they would have said that. They wouldn't have put under the jurisdiction there. They just would have said anybody born in the United States is a not, you know, is a citizen of the United States unless you're a dip, you know, the child of a diplomat, which is the exact same thing with the Second Amendment, where you're talking about a militia. They put that language in there for a reason. We can argue over what that reason was, but it didn't just, you know, oh, we, we've got to fill up the page. Let's add some words to this thing. So you've got two issues, two constitutional issues that really bat heads, where in one case, the Second Amendment, the prevailing decision was, uh, we're going to ignore those words. And then you've got this case where they're basically saying, well, this is what those words mean, but there was no, re you know, there's no reason to put them there unless they had a further meaning than, oh, if you're here and you commit a crime, we arrest you. So that means that if you have a kid, your kid's a citizen. Right. There's no logic to that whatsoever. So, um, you know, but yeah, the climate, the political climate right now, because personally, I don't think, you know, I don't think that children born to immigrants that haven't become, I could see, uh, let me rephrase this. I don't think children born to immigrants should automatically be given citizenship. That's one of the reasons we have all this tourist citizenship. Right. right. Because people come here and they plop out a kid and then, then oh, okay, they can come back 20 years later if they want and the kid's a citizen. So I think the, the right way to do that would be if you're here as an immigrant, fine. <laughs> and if you have a child, fine, but that child's not a citizen until you become a citizen. And as long as you become a citizen before the kid turns 18, then they become yeah. a citizen too. And if if it's after 18, well, then they've got to go through the process themselves. We've cheapened the value of citizenship so much, it's almost um, better to not be a citizen. Yeah. No, <laughs> Less I, responsibility. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. And that, that's an interesting point too. And I think if we had to redo it, I think children born to immigrants would be better suited kind of retaining the citizenship status of their parents, you know, in that if you are a lawful permanent resident, well, your child would be a lawful permanent resident. I, I think that makes, makes total sense. Um, because like you said, with the birth tourism, that's a, that's a major problem, but there's another part of it that also doesn't get talked about. And this is one reason I think that the 14th amendment needs to be clarified is that if the United States were to be invaded by a foreign country, a foreign army, and those troops started having children amongst themselves, does anyone really believe that the child of a foreign soldier should be an American citizen? Like, is that, because that's essentially what the system we have is that if, Anyone on United States soil, regardless of anything else, is a citizen, yeah, except for diplomats, <laughs> which is, we're going to talk about that. But, <laughs> you know, if you're an illegal alien, you are a foreign national with no allegiance to the United States, and you can have an American citizen child. That That's crazy. Um, and more importantly, you have to realize that not every illegal alien is just a poor farm worker coming here to support their family. What, what our system allows is, let's just say China, right? Chinese nationals can come here and they do frequently. They, they bust up the, the birth tourism rings all the time. You can have Chinese nationals come here and have American citizen children. Now, or Russia for that matter, right? So what was the big topic of the 2016 election? Russian interference, right? So if we really believe that Russia wants to influence our politics and our elections, wouldn't it seem logical that they would also have their people come here and have children? I, I can't prove that, that they're doing that, but I know that the Soviets did that during the Cold War, so I know it's happened in the past. 
we know that China is sending massive amounts of people here for every conceivable reason, right? We, I think China is probably a bigger threat than, than Russia at the moment. So do we really believe that we have a system where foreign nationals and foreign operatives of foreign governments can come here and have children and now those children are American citizens? And if you apply for a job in the government or a job in the military, your parents' immigration status is almost irrelevant within certain parameters. So now you have children of Chinese nationals that are completely eligible to enlist in the military, to take jobs in the FBI, because for all intents and purposes, they're citizens, right? And we've already seen, there have actually been quite a few high profile cases of Chinese nationals that have ended up spying for, for China. And you know Russia too, but China seems to be much more active in the espionage uh, today. So none of this makes any sense in a, from a practical standpoint. I know we can argue back and forth over the language, but from a practical standpoint, does anyone think that the people that wrote the 14th Amendment or the founders of the country wanted a system wherein the English could have just sent millions or thousands, whatever it was, English soldiers back from to, to retake the United States? What do you think about that? The United States created a system wherein the country that we separated from could essentially repopulate the United States with their own people and their own their own children. It it blows my mind because you know on one hand I I understand what it says, but at the same time, if you think it through and think about all the consequences of uncontrolled birthright citizenship, it it makes no sense. You know, it's it's a detriment to the country. It cheapens American citizenship. And, you know, I mean, personally, I think that if if you're giving away something, it holds less value. So if you can become an American citizen just by simply flying over the country, like that's another thing. If you are in American airspace, like if you're flying from Mexico to Canada on an airplane and you have a child on that plane, that child's an American citizen? Is that is that really the system that, that we want? You know, you know, so you could have someone who's never set foot in America just happen to be in United States airspace or in the territorial waters around the United States, right? Someone who has no allegiance to America, who's never been to America, but just happens to have a kid over our territory or in the, the water surrounding the country, and that kid gets citizenship. That I, I, that makes no sense to me. But that's the system we have. And I don't know if people really realize that. I, I don't, I mean, I, maybe they do. I don't know. But from a, I, <laughs> it can't go on like that. I don't, it I don't think change. most, I don't think most people have given it much thought. And there's never any, you know, whenever there's a discussion about it, you know, if, it, if they're discussing it on MSNBC, oh, these people that are against it are racists. Right. <laughs> You know, that's the only reason they're, they're racist. So they don't, you know, and it's obviously is a lot of what you've just said. It's a lot more than that. And it, it, it's great for the kid and it's bad for everybody else right. who's a citizen right. that, oh, I got another mouth to feed and I got another. And, and although that I know people, oh, that sounds terrible. Well, it does until you say, well, how many mouths should we feed? Right. And, you know, and, and particularly now where you're, you know, with, with the Democrats talking about, oh, let's take the criminality out of crossing the border illegally. Well, you're going to see women who are, you know, ready to drop flowing across the border. They have nothing to lose. Right. The only thing, OK, well, you have to leave or but if they don't leave in time or then, of course, it'll be, well, you can't make her leave. She's eight and a half months pregnant. Right. I, I mean, it just, it, it makes no sense whatsoever, but we can never like so many other issues have a debate about it so that the average person who's not, you know, doing what we're doing or, right. or, or even listening to us. Um, there's just all these things that don't make sense. I never even gave a thought about it. You mentioned about an invading army, you know, having kids here. Right. And, you know, that's right. Would, would anybody believe right, that that kid should, should be a citizen? Right. Or if there were, 
you know, maybe we're at the end of the, the, the road here, years wise, but if there were Nazis that escaped Germany and came to the United <laughs> States, should their kids be citizens of the United States? Uh, you know, so it, it, there's no good reason whatsoever to have right. birthright citizenship. And I'm never, and, and the, the fact that somebody wants to call somebody who's against it a racist is not a good reason. Right. Um, and, and just to drive that point home before we move on to our next topic, but when we're talking about this, it's not racial. Nowhere in this discussion did we say, you know, we don't want Hispanics or we don't want African-Americans to have citizenship. No one has ever said that, right? It's about following the law. And I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to keep saying it. If our immigration system was adhered to absolutely 100% of the time, that is the least racist thing that, least racist system that there is, because our immigration system is designed to allow everyone around the world from every country an equal opportunity to come to the United States, right? It doesn't mean you get to come here overnight. It doesn't mean you know, you get to bring your entire family just because you feel like it. But the fact is every country and every ethnic group and every part of the world has certain visas that they qualify for. So allowing the system to work gives every race a chance, which is the opposite of racism. So I'm really, I'd like to say that every time only because I'm really sick and tired of the only argument to talking about immigration law is, oh, you're racist. Unless you want open borders and no questions asked, you're a racist. That's just not true. And I'm not going to stand for it anymore. Um, so, you know, I think we've covered the 14th amendment, but it also kind of ties into the next thing that I, I wanted to talk about, which is Sheriff Villanueva in Los Angeles. This is almost, well, this is more egregious than, <laughs> than Kamala Harris. Um, but for anyone that's not familiar, the LA County Sheriff is Sheriff Villanueva. And I believe he made this statement. Well, I believe it was today, so this is August 19th. Um, essentially, he said that as of today, he's not going to turn over any illegal aliens to ICE under any circumstances. And in his statement, what he said was, this is a quote, there is no greater threat to public safety than a million undocumented immigrants who are afraid to report crime out of fear of deportation and having their families torn apart. He said, as the sheriff of Los Angeles County, I am responsible for everyone's public safety, regardless of immigration status. I will not allow an entire segment of the population to be afraid to report crimes to law enforcement and be forced again back into the shadows. Now, <laughs> on the surface, to someone who's not familiar with things, that seems reasonable. But if you spend any amount of time thinking about what he just said right there, you'll realize that that is a complete crock of shit. Excuse my language, but it is. Because I want you to think about this scenario. If he's so concerned about the immigrant community in his county, right? Well, he's basically saying that immigrants live in a particular community, which I would agree with that people tend to live alongside people that are similar to their particular group, whatever that may be. So what he's saying is that if an illegal alien rapes a woman or molests a child or steals a car from that very community, he's not going to turn that person over to ICE. So that child molester, that rapist, that car thief, whatever the crime is, is going to be returned to the very community that they victimized. So is that, is that really helping? I, I, haven't, I have yet to seen any serious study or any numbers or anything that back up this claim that people are afraid to report crimes because of fear of immigration consequences. I, I, people say that all the time, but I've never seen a study that documents that, where that actually happens. I mean, I know there are anecdotes here and there, but the other reason that this is just complete nonsense is that there's a thing called a U visa, 
in the immigration system so that if you are here illegally and you are a victim of crime, not you don't necessarily have to be here illegally, but the U visa is specifically a visa for victims of crime. So if you're here and become a victim of crime, you actually potentially could receive an immigration benefit. So I don't understand this argument of being afraid, being in the shadows, right? If you had a crime committed against you, you probably could benefit from that, number one. But the bigger issue is, and this doesn't ever get talked about, is if you're in the United States illegally, so what? That's the price you pay. You came here illegally. You chose to break the law. Why should we be concerned about your feelings and about your fear of being arrested? You should be afraid of getting arrested. You have broken the law. You have no legal right to be in the United States. So personally, I don't care. If you are afraid to get deported, then leave the country, right? And this whole thing about tearing families apart. Well, again, whose fault is that? And I, I hate to be cold and I hate to be crass, but if you come here illegally and get married and have kids, knowing you're here illegally, whose fault is that really? Because you know that you shouldn't be here. So why are you, why are you putting down roots knowing that you could be sent home at any time? Right. That, that makes no sense to me. And nowhere in this story and nowhere does anyone ever talk about. What about the victims of the illegal aliens? Right. They never get talked about. Right. One of the, the most high profile cases I can think of in Los Angeles is Jamil Shaw. Right. Jamil Shaw Jr. was murdered by an illegal alien gang member. That was actually just released from L.A. County. I mean, this was a few years ago, but it's sad because this case. It, it should get more attention, but it was ignored. Villanueva hasn't said one word about Jamil Shaw. And for anyone that's not familiar, uh, Jamil Shaw Jr. was murdered in cold blood walking home from school. And his father, Jamil Shaw Sr., uh, has been an advocate and pretty outspoken about enforcing immigration law. But Jamil Shaw and his family, his mom, everybody, they were African-American. And by all accounts, Jamil Shaw Jr. was a great young kid, good student. He was an athlete, trying to do everything right. His mother was serving the military at the time, if I'm not mistaken. So a good family living in Los Angeles, trying to do the right thing. Jamil Shaw was a good student, you know, athlete, just a the really perfect middle-class family. And Jamil Shaw Jr. was murdered in cold blood for no reason other than maybe because he was black or maybe because the gang member that killed him thought he was in a rival gang. Whatever the reason is, it, I mean, it's, it's a senseless killing, it, no matter how you look at it. But nobody talks about him. And just like you have experience with, everyone's concerned about families getting torn apart through deportation. But nowhere in this article do they talk about what about the families of the victims that have had family members killed by illegal aliens, right? Or what about the American citizens that are raped or robbed or even, I'd even go so far as to say, what about the illegal aliens that are victims of crime, right? What about the, the children of illegal aliens that get molested, right? Doesn't, doesn't their family matter? Like this, this idea that illegal aliens are just perfect people and keep in mind, what he's talking about aren't just your average illegal aliens that people like to stereotype and say, oh, they're just trying to support their family. He's talking about releasing people that have been arrested for other crimes, right? So what that means is if you get arrested for a minor offense, you go to county jail and get released on a citation. If you commit a serious crime, like a murder, you get arrested and go to the county jail while you're going to court. So if you commit a serious crime, you end up in LA County Jail at some point and you can bail out of custody or you can be released or whatever it is. So I, it, it is incomprehensible that a law enforcement officer who obviously knows that is going to say no greater threat to public safety than illegal aliens getting deported. Because what happens is illegal aliens get turned over to ICE, they get put into removal proceedings or they get deported. So you are actually taking criminals off the street of the United States. 
and more importantly, off of Los Angeles streets. And I don't think there's anybody on this planet that isn't going to think there isn't, that doesn't know that Los Angeles is a complete toilet right now. So the fact that he's allowing lawlessness in a County that's already collapsing is beyond me. And he's not the first person to say this and he won't be the last because he's similar to Lori Lightfoot and all these, all these other mayors and some of these other sheriffs that believe this stuff. But it's, it, it, it's frustrating because it's wrong on so many levels. And if you think about this and the reason I wanted to talk about this, this is in my mind, a 14th amendment violation as well, because if you're an American citizen and you end up in Los Angeles County jail, and you have a warrant from another agency or another state, the county is going to hold you until they get confirmation from that other agency that they want to enforce that warrant, right? Which means they'll get transferred to another county or potentially the other county out of state would come by and pick that inmate up based on that warrant, right? So if you're an American citizen, you're not going to get released from LA County right? You're going to get turned over based on your warrant. But if you have an ICE warrant, if you have an ICE warrant, it's, it just doesn't count. It, it's just, eh, whatever. No big deal. Um, I, I don't know what to say about this because it, it's illegal. It's wrong. And it, it goes against the 14th amendment because American citizens don't have the same protection that he's offering illegal aliens. Um, and more importantly, it's a violation of 8 USC 1324, which we can talk about in a minute too, but it's a violation of law. It's a violation of the constitution and it does the exact opposite of what he's claiming he wants to do. And it's, it's mind boggling. <laughs> I know I've been, I've been rambling. So I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this? Am I way out of line on this one too? <laughs> No, but, but what I'll say is, you know, you asked the question why, and it's, it's purely political. It has nothing to do with public safety other than it's bad for public safety. Um, it, it's, it's all politics. Yeah. Villanueva is getting hammered by the LA uh, Board of Supervisors, four of the five of which, you know, would, if they had the right, would declare amnesty tomorrow. Yeah. So he's trying to put himself in a little better graces with them. I'm sure, although he's still two years away from re-election, I'm sure he's thinking about that, that he wants to, you know, cement his position with, with people here. Because the reality of it is like what you, you know, his, his comment about, you know, we want these people to call in crimes. Well, there are records. Uh, the one thing about Los Angeles um, this is more the city than the county, but it's no different that the LA Times, and clearly not, you know, on our side on this issue, they did a study of the 911 calls. Um, you can get them all online. Not, they won't tell you the names and this and that, but they, you know, categorize them. And they just did this a couple months ago, and the study was very clear that the calls that do come in, for the most part, are minor things. Now, they can't tell whether the person who called it in is legal, illegal, and they don't have any of that information. But they don't get a lot of calls about serious crimes. And I know from talking to another sheriff that I know in California he said the only time you get calls on big crimes or when those crimes are promoted on TV or radio or, you know, whatever, depend on the locality, <clears throat> then you'll get a lot of people calling, you know, I think I saw the car or this, that, the other. So what you've got is a lot of people, a lot of the calls are domestic violence calls. And <clears throat> what's, what's interesting in, in that regard is that many people that are so pro illegal immigration and many people that believe that every, um, you know, every woman who claims domestic violence anywhere in the world should be allowed to claim asylum and come into this country. So here's the irony behind that. 
And I, I don't agree with that because it would just, you know, everybody would claim it and there, you know, billions of people trying to come in. But here's the, the absurdity of that argument is that those that are here and are, and make, and, and are calling up domestic violence, and I'd love to, have, to hear what the Me Too movement has to say about this, we're protecting the the criminal. Right. <laughs> so, so if you, and, and there, there is, I mean, you know, one of the bigger cases here, <clears throat> three years ago, a woman in Sonoma County, um, Veronica Cabrera Ramirez, <clears throat> she called in a um, domestic violence charge against her boyfriend, the um, Santa Clara or Santa Clarita, no, Santa Clara County, I guess Santa Clara police came and arrested him. There was an ice hit because he had been deported once before. Um, Two days later, he was getting bailed out. And ICE, you know, they made it very clear to Sonoma County Sheriff that they wanted this guy. Um, They gave him 16 minutes to get from San Francisco to, to Sonoma County Jail, which is about an hour and a half. Uh, they call, purposely called it the last minute. They right. let the guy go. Two weeks later, <clears throat> he killed Veronica. <clears throat> now, if you're here illegally, are you going to make that phone call? <laughs> right. <clears throat> Knowing that the person <clears throat> that you're ratting on is going to be released? Right. Um, and obviously that's a lot more serious than oh, this guy, you know, stole a pot off my porch or whatever, you know, minor things. But the reason, you know, and there have been studies done and it's never, I'm afraid that I'm going to be deported. And to my, to the best of my knowledge, and I've asked this question for years and years and years to people at the ACLU, politicians, give me one case where somebody called up to report a crime and they were de- and then they were deported. Right. <laughs> now, no one in the United States asks you your um, immigration status when you call in. And the last thing the cops are concerned about is, is getting the victim deported. And probably the last thing that ICE is concerned about is deporting that person. So what you have is a revolving door of people committing crimes and the the solution is not to get rid of those people that you can. The solution is to just put them back into the community. It's almost like it's a job guarantee for the Los Angeles County Sheriff's department. And and let's face it, you know, I know people don't like to admit this, but the statistics are pretty good. People who commit crimes almost always commit another crime. (laughs) Um, I think the number is like 40% will in the first year, up to 60% by year two and 80% by year five. (laughs) Um, So putting them back into the community is ridiculous, but that's not the reason that, you know, they're saying they won't call. Well, there's no evidence that they won't call. When you ask them, They'll say, well, I don't call because I don't speak the language. Or they'll say that I don't call because nothing will happen. Right. <laughs> um, well, so I, it, it's it's just, it's pure politics, yeah. nothing more. Yeah, I think what you said a minute ago, I think it's really important. And I think a lot of people don't connect the two. But a couple of years ago when we were faced with the massive rush at the border, I think it was AOC or one of those other dingbats but they had said something like they're fleeing violence right they're they're fleeing domestic violence that was always the um the chant and i know they they debated back and forth and whether asylum should be given to people that are fleeing domestic violence right so like you said and i want to drive this home if you really believe that people that are fleeing domestic violence should be allowed to stay in the country because you don't want anybody deported. Well, generally speaking, I'm gonna profile here a little bit and I don't think anyone's gonna mind, but 
a man that's willing to beat his wife so severely that she has to flee the country, right? Which I think that's a little exaggerated, but regardless, if you're fleeing the country because your husband or boyfriend is beating you so severely, does anyone honestly think that that guy isn't going to come to the United States and track you down, right? Knowing that there's an entire ecosystem to bring people up from South and Central America and Mexico into the United States. And if you think people that want to come to the United States illegally aren't aware of counties like Los Angeles that offer protection, you are absolutely insane. So you're essentially creating a system that encourages the very crime that you're trying to prevent. And I know you, you touched on that, but I, I really want to emphasize that. You, you really got to think this stuff through because when they speak in platitudes and they, they make these statements that they're not reporting crime, okay, maybe, but you have to look at the whole system um, you know, in total. And when you do that, none of it makes any sense because why on earth would you encourage people to come here to flee violence and then create a system that protects the very people that are causing that violence. It's, it's again, just one other thing that's beyond comprehension, but there's another story that illustrates this that I think people need to know about, and it, it really went unnoticed, but I know you probably remember this one. This was back in January of 2019, and this is in California, Cathedral City. And this was caught on dash cam. So, if anyone wants to Google this, you just Google um, Cathedral City Police dash cam shooting, uh, you know, January 2019, and, and this will probably come up. Um, so the scene is police officer gets a call of a domestic violence or domestic dispute in the parking lot. And as the police car pulls into the lot, the camera shows a woman fall essentially on her face and a guy with a gun kind of walking away from her. So the, the dash cam captures the moment that this woman is essentially executed by, I think it was her ex-husband or maybe a boyfriend, but regardless. So this guy murders his wife on camera and then starts shooting at the police officer. And then the police officer has to tell him to drop the gun and he won't do it. He keeps trying to shoot the cop even after he just murdered his wife. So eventually the, the police officer shoots him. And I think he, I think he did pass away, but the point of this story is this woman died in the street and she had children, right? Her family is permanently separated. And the guy that murdered her has a pretty extensive rap sheet. And his name is uh, Roberto Tapia. If anyone wants to Google him, but June, 2009 possession of destructive device, December, 2012 resist officer, March 11th, 2014 DUI, May 19th, May 2016, spousal battery, November 13th, probation violation, November 13th, 2016, domestic violence, 90-day sentence. The reason I'm bringing this up is this guy was in the country illegally, and he was in Riverside County, which is in, in, Cal in Southern California. And the sheriff prior to uh, Sheriff Bianco, uh, Sheriff Sniff, was somewhat animus towards ICE and didn't really want to cooperate. But this guy was passed through the system six, seven times at least. ICE was never notified, or if they were, they weren't given enough time to pick this guy up. And California passed a sanctuary law in 2014. So this guy would have certainly qualified, even under the sanctuary laws, to be turned over. But Sheriff Sniff didn't want to comply. So this guy kind of flew under the radar of ICE because local law enforcement didn't want to cooperate. And because of that, this lady is dead. She was murdered in cold blood on camera in front of a police officer. And now her children don't have any parents because one, like I said, I believe he was killed, but he brought that on himself. But the mother didn't do anything wrong. She was an innocent person and she was murdered in the street. Right. And this is a crime that could have absolutely been prevented. Right. So for all this talk about separating families and everything else. Okay. What about her family? Right. What about her children? Right. Her children have no parents now. Right. So what would have been worse to deport the dad? Right. Or 
wait until he murders the woman. And in LA County, apparently, if he was arrested and not killed by the police, he would have been released from custody. Think, think about how insane this is, has become. And for all this talk about if we could save one life, you know, if, if we could just do, just do this one thing, if you, if you wear a mask and you save one life, then it's all worth it. Right. So you're telling me that if I can save a life by wearing a mask, then it, everything's fine, right? If, if I can just do something and save a life, then it all matters, right? That's the, the, the phrase we hear all the time, right? But when it comes to immigration law, that's just out the window. Oh, well, it's just one person, right? <laughs> it's, it's beyond sickening to think of the, the double standard where an innocent woman, an innocent mother can be murdered in the street on camera and it's like, eh, nah, that's not a big deal. We don't really want to talk about that. We'd rather talk about <laughs> families being separated because, you know, illegal aliens are committing crime. It's, I mean, it, it's a sickening, you know, and if anyone's interested, the video is up on KFI. Um, it, it's on their site if anybody wanted to look at it. It's, it's yeah, the, 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 the two things there, these stories, whether it was that one or the one that took place in Santa Clara, yeah. they get no little to no publicity. Yeah. So nobody knows. And the, the other interest, when you were talking about separating families, it comes back to the birthright citizenship because the law was, well, they have children and their children right. are citizens. <laughs> yep. Now, they may be U.S. citizens, but they are also citizens of whatever country their parents or, or mother or father, depending on the country are. So it's not like they can't go home. Right. <laughs> but you know, the absurdity of all of that is that then, you know, then why when John Smith, a citizen, commits a crime, serious crime, and he goes to jail for 20 years, that's pretty much breaking up his family. Right. <laughs> but that that's okay. So it's, you know, it, it's just all these things, again, no, no publicity. Because look, anybody that just heard what you said would say, why was that guy here? <laughs> right. But but they would also probably say, well, you know, there's a million in LA County and yeah, you're always gonna have that one story, but it's not, there's right. there's quite a lot. So whether you wanna balance it off with the, oh, if we saved one life um, story or not, it's, but it's not one, it's many um, and it's, you know, and in almost every case, again, they're preventable. Right. But the bottom, the bottom line to Villanueva, and I would love to be able to get his face and just say to him, well, okay, so you're telling me all this crime, you know, won't be solved. Well, what would happen if you cooperated with the police on all of these cases and the person was deported? Maybe you'd get less phone calls, but how many cases do you really settle with phone tips? Now, I'm not saying how many do you get and you got, I don't consider a case settled if somebody calls up and the police come out, even if they arrest the guy, and especially now the way California law is, they'll arrest him and then they'll throw him right back out on the street. Right. Well, you didn't solve anything. So if you said, okay, well, maybe we'll solve less but the ones we will solve will be permanently solved because that person won't be here anymore. Right. <laughs> um, and, and like to your point earlier, if, if the victim or the witness is afraid to call, well, you know what? I'd rather take my chances because I'll tell you, well, it's not just illegal aliens who they attack. It's everybody. Well, okay. Granted, I'll give you that. That they, you know, they don't check whether you're illegal or not <laughs> before they attack you or do whatever, even though in many cases they know, and that's why they're attacking you. But I'd rather take my chances that there's less of them here to commit those crimes right. than, than, oh, well, they're, they're going to be reported and nothing's going to happen to them. Right. So, you know, who cares? I, I wonder, I mean, I'm sure these statistics are there. How many of these 9-11 calls, they don't even, you know, show up? Right. I mean, this, was, this had nothing to do with illegal immigration, but I remember a woman whose daughter was killed um, by a drunk driver. 
And it was probably a year later because she was doing some, you know, function for her daughter and she was coming down uh, the road and the, this car plowed into her. Uh, now the guy who plowed into her was illegal. <laughs> um, fortunately, nobody was hurt. She called, um, and this was LAPD because it was in um, Woodland Hills. And she called and said, you know, we've been in this terrible accident. And the response, she was, was anybody hurt? And they said, no. Okay, well, then just call the tow trucks. <laughs> yeah. We're not coming. So, um, you know, and that happens so often. You think they're going to show up when you, if you call up and say they, they stole my iPhone, they're going to say, oh, was it worth less than $950? <laughs> And if you say, yeah, it was two years old, they're going to say, yeah, file an insurance claim. Yeah. They're not going to show up. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, so yeah, villain away is just full of crap. No if, ands, or buts. And, and, you know, we can only hope that something happens to him or somebody in his family to make him, and again, not being vindictive, but to make him realize his policy sucks. Yeah. And, and, he's, and he's putting politics and illegal aliens ahead of U.S. citizens. Yeah. That's got to end. Yeah, that's absolutely. I know we're getting close. Yeah, <laughs> we're, uh, I think we're getting close on time here. So I think maybe that's probably a good place to, to wrap it up. Um, I think we covered a lot, but I think the, the lesson that we want to impart today is when you're talking about immigration, you have to look at the entire picture because none of this happens in a vacuum. And, and that's the trick that the politicians and people like me in Ueva use is they, they like to argue one simple point. And sometimes you can get away with it when you argue one point, but just like we demonstrated, when you wanna protect certain people, you actually do the opposite by not enforcing immigration law. Because if you really think about it, if you're a criminal, right? Where are you going to commit your crime? In an area where law enforcement cooperates with other agencies so that whatever crimes you've committed, you'll be held accountable for? Or are you going to commit crime in Los Angeles where even serious crimes go unpunished? So you can sell drugs, you can do almost anything in LA and get out of custody that same day for the most part. And if this no bail thing goes through, you can do whatever you want and be out of custody probably within six hours. So if you live in Los Angeles or anywhere else, wouldn't you want to live in an environment where the sheriff cooperates with everyone so that if someone gets out of custody, even though they committed a serious crime, they can still be held accountable for some other crime they committed, whether it's immigration or not. And you know, yeah, I think to close it out, I'll just say that was the lesson that we all learned from 9-11 is that when law enforcement doesn't communicate, bad things happen. And we have to remember that the 9-11 hijackers were also in violation of some immigration laws and how many thousands of people died, you know, and we're going to get into it on other shows, but there are a lot of stories out there that could have gone horribly wrong had it not been for immigration or immigration enforcement. So on that note, I think uh, we'll sign off for the day. Um, I want to say thanks everyone for listening and what we talked about will be in the show notes. So if you would like to do some research on your own, you can uh, check our notes and read up for yourself on anything you're, you're unfamiliar with. So with that, I will turn it over to you, Don. Um, any last words before we say goodbye? Well, um, I think, you were right. I think the issue was covered. What'll be in, I'll say what'll be interesting. And we'll look at the paper in the next couple of days and see the stories on Villanueva. And I'll bet you there will not be one comment from anybody who is in opposition to what he's doing. Um, they just won't ask those people. So. Yeah. Everything will be super supportive and everything will reinforce everything that he said without any facts or figures, it'll just be right. the typical platitude of, Oh, this is great. No, no questioning of anything. Yep. As goes so many other things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, 
But thank you. Thank you, as always. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And this is Brian and Don saying goodbye, and we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening. Please take a moment to rate and review us in your favorite podcast player. And please be sure to check out the show notes for any information you might have missed. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody.